one through APP. Am I good, Pastor Joe? You want me to keep going? I can't hear you. you. You guys can figure it out real quick. I got to check it. Did it already shut down? Look at the back there in the back, Joby. Look at it back there in the back and see if it's still running. No, it's showing up fine for me. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. Let's make sure it's coming in okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we are live now for our chapel, and it's going to come in fine. Did everybody find it? Good. It's working well. Let's keep moving. I don't want to waste any more time on that. If you guys can't figure it out, that's okay. All right, let's open up our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 39 for our first chapel today. We'll shut it off if, at the end if we have some time to talk about some of the issues you may want me to help you with. But let's open up our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 29, and let's talk about God having a plan for you. Everybody say, God has a plan for me. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, God has a plan. For me. for me. Amen. You are not alone. God has a plan for you. We're going to open up uh, to Jeremiah chapter 29. And we're going to look at what I talked about yesterday in church, but from a different angle. Yesterday's message was a hope in a future. Today I want to talk about God has a plan for you. When you think about starting SUM, there's a lot that goes into it. You have to take serious what you're going to do so that you can accomplish what you set out to do. You've got to think about how you're going to pay for it, how you're going to make time to study. For our mother here, who's going to take care of my kids? For all of you that are working, how am I going to make my schedule work? Those of you that have already done this before, you know what I'm talking about. You had to make plans to come here. Not only that, but you start making plans with the ministry. You start saying, okay, what am I going to get involved in in the church? Where am I going to step up? Where am I going to really make a difference here? And a lot of times what can happen is the way we start the school year is not necessarily the way we always end the school year. Sometimes things can come that we didn't plan for into our school year, into our life, and then at those moments we may think to ourselves that God's not in control, that maybe something changed, that maybe this is a good time to just tip out, dip out, and be like, I'm done. This was not what I was expecting. This was not what I was planning for. Maybe God didn't have this in his plan for me. Maybe I made a mistake, and so I'm going to quit. I'm going to leave. But you see, I believe that you're called here, and I believe that you're here for a reason and for a season, and that it's going to be important that you understand that God has a plan for you. 
and that you don't give up and get discouraged when those things don't go the way you want them to, when challenges come into your life. And so we look at this passage in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4. We see this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exiles from Jerusalem to Babylon. So Jeremiah gets a word about this captivity the people are going into and, and facing. And he says, I've carried you there. And Jeremiah, I want you to tell them that. I want you to tell them that I'm the one in the midst of the storm. I'm the one that's there with them. And as we look to this situation, there's actually a reason why they're going into exile. And it's because they were naughty Israelites. They were not good Israelites. And there's a reason why some of you may get an F. And it's because you didn't do your work. It's not because the professors don't like you, don't love you, or treating you unfair. If that happens, you let us know. But if you find a D or an F on your paper, it's because you've been naughty. And if the Lord has to carry you into a season of discipline for you to learn how to study and take serious, then you need to say, yes, Lord. You need not to buck against what the Lord is doing. It was the Lord who knocked Paul off of his donkey or what he was riding on. It was the Lord who brought the people into this captivity. Why? Because they weren't following what God had told them to do in Je uh, De uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Look there quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 28 is what God sets up with the people of Israel in the time of Moses. He says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow, I'll follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. So the Lord says, you do all these things. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Do you see that? Come on, somebody say, I see it, or amen. 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 One or the other, follow along. But look right here. He doesn't just talk about the blessings. He now goes into verse 15 of chapter 28. He says, however, if you do not do your homework, you will get an F. I want to bless you in SUM. However, if you don't fill out your practicum reports, you will fail. He teaches them this same principle. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come on you and what? Overtake you. They will what? Overtake you. You won't be able to run from them. You'll be cursing the city, cursing the country. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. And then now look what begins to happen. These diseases will come against you. The Lord will strike you with the wasting disease. The sky over your head will become like bronze. Now watch this. The Lord will cause you to be what? Defeated before your enemies. You will come at them one direction, but will flee from them seven directions. It will become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms on the earth. Wow. So you mean all these hundreds of years later, after God gave these blessings and curses, the, the, the demonstration of what he would do if they didn't keep his commands, you mean God actually kept his word? And now in Jeremiah's generation, there's some punishment being dealt out that we see at the end of this passage that I'll just skip ahead, that we see at the end of the, the passage here, that it says, he has banished them. Look at what it says. It says, I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. That's in verse 14. 
So we see that God is serious and God is speaking to Jeremiah here. And he says, I want you to tell them that I carried them. You remind them. It was me who banished them. It was me who exiled them and brought them from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so I want you to understand, if you find yourself failing classes, being put on discipline, that's the Lord's best for you. He's doing that, that your soul might be saved. Doing that, that you might fulfill the call of God. That you might wake up a little bit and take it serious. I mean, think about that. You're in college. You're paying money. You're not doing this to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. You're doing this because you want to serve God. Now, some of you may want to say right here, well, let me be noble, pastor. Let me just quit now. I I'm not ready for this. Let me quit now. No. That's even worse. I would rather have you be on the boat and do it your best, take on some water but not sink, than for you just to abandon ship. Stick with it. Don't quit. We saw what happened when Jonah abandoned ship. He got swallowed up by a whale. Do you want to live in the belly of a whale for three days before you beg God for another chance to serve him? Don't jump ship. Do what God called you to do. Be in the direction of the Lord. Do what he says. So there is, there is no noble quitting. And there, there is no noble failing. What do we do? We go forward with the Lord. And we learn from this situation that everything is father filtered. Now what's interesting about this is that God speaks to Jeremiah and says, I carried them there. Now you remind them in Babylon that I want them to build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for their sons and daughters, and give their daughters in marriage, and that they may continue to have sons and daughters, increase in number, and do not decrease. Verse 7, also seek the prosperity and peace of the city to which I carry you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because, of, because if it prospers, prospers, you too will prosper. Here we see this unique way already, um, kind of concealed in the Old Testament of us praying for our enemies as Jesus would reveal in the New Testament. He says, I don't want you to revolt. There was times for fighting, trust me. They knew how to go to war. But he says, now, this is not your time to fight. This is your time to take your licking and keep on ticking. This is your time in captivity to actually get used to it. Because as we soon find out, he says, you're going to be there for 70 years. You're going to be put on time out for some, for some time. Because of all of this idolatry, all of these ways you were breaking my command, all of your perversion, all of your greed, all of the kings and your princes, all of your leaders who were corrupt, you're going to be here for a while. And so what we can learn from this as we're going into school is that we will learn the hard way or we'll learn the easy way. And so I'm hoping today that you don't need to go into exile that you don't need to get suspended, that you don't need to be put on academic discipline. But just know that if you do, God is, has it father filtered. But what he says here is I want you to seek the peace and prosperity of this city. So don't fight them. Pray that God blesses Babylon. Pray that God blesses um, the, the enemies that you've had. And, of course, we can apply this to praying and blessing our school, praying and blessing SUM. And they're not our enemy. They're not our captors. Amen. You may feel like sometimes you might be in a little bit of captivity, but you're not. Pray for them. Bless them. But watch this. This is where I want you to really hear me today. This is where I want to get more specific. If you want to hear the other message about how America and our cities have been oppressed because we've listened to the sins of our culture and, and we're being punished and God wants to transform us, go back and listen to yesterday's message, right? But, but this is where I want to go for you guys. 
Yes, this is the Lord Almighty. This is what the Lord Almighty says, the God of Israel. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. You see, when they were in captivity, what they wanted to hear wasn't what God was saying. There were two ditches that they would rather go into on the side here than rather walk on the path of righteousness. The first ditch over here was kind of like this violent rebellion. They wanted to hear that it was okay to be terrorists. They wanted to do Samson-type stuff in Babylon. They wanted to start killing their captors, right? That is an idea of just violent rebellion. The other ditch, that, that the other lie that they wanted to hear, if it wasn't, let's be, you know, these zealots, the other lie that they wanted to hear was, it's okay to compromise. Come on, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Come on, Daniel, because remember, these guys were the ones taken. Come on. It's okay to bow down and worship their gods. God understands. He doesn't want you to be that radical. He understands. You, you can eat their defiled meat, Daniel. You can break the dietary laws. You can stop praying when they threaten you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just as long as Jesus is still in your heart or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is still in your heart, it's okay on the outside if you bow down to their statue. So we see these two ditches was what these false prophets were being provoked by the people to say. Hey, Jeremiah is telling us that the Lord says we're going to be here 70 years and we need to prosper and pray for this place. But I don't want to do that. I either want to change and become like a Babylonian. I don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. I don't want to go to a lion's den. I don't want to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Or I just want to fight against everything here because I, I don't want to get along. I don't want to have to give my kids a marriage. I just want to fight. And see, both of those can come to you at this time, what does it look like for an SUM student? Well, this one right here is not going to be violent, but it will be rebellious. The rebellion will be, I know more than these professors. I know more. I'm smarter than them. I started Bible college like you in August, and I dropped out by the time it was Halloween in October. Why? Was I having sex? Was I uh, cheating on my tests? No, the reason why I dropped out so quickly is because I figured out I knew more than them. I was more spiritual than them. I was rebuking the professors in class. I was telling them what they didn't know. Now, of course, I had only been saved about a year, about nine months, and some of them had been in ministry for 30 years. Of course, I had no degree, and some of them had their PhDs, but I knew more. And that's what it looks like. It looks like rebellion. Well, I'm going to teach the teacher. I'm going to correct the corrector. I'm not going to settle in here. I'm not going to bless the place where I'm at. I'm going to resist this place. I'm going to be rebellious in this place. And I'm going to do it with the religious attitude. The same kind of religious attitude that had Pharisees rebuking Jesus, the very Son of God. 
That same kind of pharisaical attitude that says, I'm too good for this. I shouldn't have to write out my practicum reports. I shouldn't have to submit to the pastors in my life. I know more than them. And, and you may even see things you're actually better than. It may be true. Maybe I was a better preacher than some of my professors. Maybe I would be more fruitful as time went on. But, but you see, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to submit under the mighty hand of God submit unto the men that the Lord has placed in our life and not rely upon our giftings but rely upon what the church is that body of Christ those teachers and those leaders we're supposed to rely upon them as Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13 that we're to look to the example of our leaders not compare our our gifts and our talents Hebrews chapter 13 17 says have confidence in your leaders submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as ones who must give an account do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. I caused so many burdens for Brother Anthony and Chancellor and all of those that I was with at that time. For that would be of no benefit to you. You see, we could so easily get caught up in resisting their authority, comparing ourselves with them, not understanding that we're supposed to be submitting to them, following their examples, and doing those things that God has commanded us to do. Just a few verses are up from uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, just a few verses up here. I want to show you that it says, remember your leaders in verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Consider them, imitate them, submit to their authority. So don't believe the lie of what you think God is telling you. If it's not what the Lord has said at the beginning, what comes afterwards is a lie. And it's coming from your own heart. And guess what you'll do? You'll do just like what these people did in the time of Jeremiah. You'll want another person to say they heard from God to do what you want to do. But he said, don't you listen in Jeremiah here. Look at it again in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 8. He says, don't let the lying prophets and deceivers among you deceive you. Don't let that happen. Don't listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. What does that look like when you're rebellious? Well, you call up that friend that's also rebellious. Well, I'm thinking about dropping out of FUM. What do you think? Well, I didn't like that Bible college to begin with. They were never good anyway. They were a big meaning to me. So you'll find that person. See, birds of like feathers flock together. You'll find that one person. It's something how even here in this church, we'll have people leave at a season. Well, they'll never have known the people that had left at another season. But give them enough time on Facebook. Boop, 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 boop. They'll find each other. Oh, you left Metro Praise too. Yeah. What was your reason? Oh, I got so many. You'll find those prophylying prophets to tell you just what you want to hear. Don't do that. Hear what God has said. Hear what God is doing. These people wanted to hear, it's time to rebel, it's time to fight. Let's do what Joshua did. Let's conquer the land. And God says, no, that time is over. Your time to do what you wanted to do without accountability is over. It's time for you now to submit. It's time for you now to learn. It's time for you to take your calling serious. Amen? What's the other ditch where lying people come to us? This one of compromise. You see, now it's not that I'm so much more spiritual than the professor. See, that was my problem. That was more spiritual. But I had some friends that 
just didn't think it took all that being spiritual stuff to be a Christian. Because after all, God loves us the way we are. And hey, God was patient with me when I was in sin. He's probably patient with me now, right? And, and, and you know, he understands. And what did this look like? And this may be more popular to you because honestly, my kind of rebellion is a more minority. Very seldom where you see somebody just go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the professor and say, let's turn to this scripture, let's debate and argue. But this one is really popular. This one is really popular. You know what this one is? This one's like my friend in Bible college who started traveling to the beach on the weekends because we stayed in dorms and when the dorms were, uh, when the school was out for the weekends, we could do whatever we want. The curfew didn't apply. They actually allowed us to do that. So we normally had to be in at 11, but on the weekends, we could stay out as long as we wanted to. And so some of these guys, they, like me, were from the north, and one of my friends was from New Jersey, and he was like, wow, we're in the south. It's supposed to be cold up where I'm at now. You know, Now we can go to the beach almost year-round, especially for a long time up into the fall, close to the winter. And so he started frequenting the beaches of Alabama and started going out around there. And he just happened to find some Christian girls to hang out with there. You know, of course they're Christian, right? Of course. They're not going to say they worship the devil, are they? And then he comes to me, and I remember this conversation. He says, well, Joe, we, we found some girls out there, some of the other guys, and I'm actually starting a relationship with one. They got some friends. You should come out and meet them. But you see, the Lord told me, no, that's not what I came to SU in Bible college for. I didn't come to meet this individual that I would have no contact with otherwise. I didn't come to meet him and have him distract me and get me into a ditch. The Lord didn't tell me that. And so what did they do? They started in their relationships, and before you know it, this young man fell because he had had sex with that girl. Oh, but you couldn't tell him he was even wrong. Because at this point it was, yeah, I knew, I, I shouldn't have did it, but, you know, God understands, just forgive me. Well, the Bible college has a rule. You're suspended now. You lost the money you paid for this semester. You don't get it back. You just blew $33,000. Gone. And now you have to go through a process to come back in. And now, oh, he had a lot to say about the school. They're mean. They're unfair. He was probably brought up in a church where these kind of lies were told to him all the time. You can sin as much as you want, just as long as you say you're sorry. We'll still let you be in the band. We'll still let you be a youth leader. But all of a sudden, he crashed into the rock of God. He realized there was a place in this earth, the church, that actually held up standards. And he had his little pity patty party. And he was going to try to tell all of us just how bad of a school it was. And just how we should probably find another place to go because this place was bad. And they were mean to him. They said mean things. Mean things. Feel sorry for me. And what does that look like? That looks like that gossiping spirit on Facebook. Oh, I'm, I'm dropped out of SUM and, and they're not really loving. And this professor. And you'll be so tempted to want to take your problems there. Well, lying prophet, tell me what you think about me and my problems. Yeah, one professor said this to me and did this in class. And, and then my cohort advisor said this. Oh, yeah, really? Well, mine said this. Why is it 
when we're having affairs, when I say we in general, but the pastors that I know, leaders in church, why is it when we're having affairs, we never want to go see the pastor who's not having an affair for advice? Why is it when we're having the affair, why is it my friends when they have an affair, they never call me. But they call that guy that dropped out of Bible college, divorced his wife a long time ago, and is now selling insurance. And now I see them on Facebook in his pool, enjoying his prosperity, because he started over with a bombshell wife. Why is it my pastor friends want to call him for advice? Go to his barbecue, but don't want to call me. Why? Because they know when they come to me, I'm not going to lie to them. I'm not going to say, oh, you poor little thing. We've all cheated on our wives, some of us more than others. There's a show called The Preachers. It's a talk show. And these pastors interviewed a popular actress about an open relationship she has in her marriage. One of the preachers said, I used to have one. I just didn't tell my wife. He never even stepped out of ministry, kept cheating on his wife. Why is it that pastor doesn't want to come to this church? Why doesn't he invite me to come speak at his conference? Why isn't my book on his number one list that he promotes to his people? Why is it because these two ditches all have the same thing in common? They're lies. They're lies. If I today was going to want to cheat on my wife, I wouldn't call up the elders of this church and say, Hey! I saw a girl at the mall that I feel like asking out and taking off my ring and starting a secret affair. What do you think? No, the person I'm going to talk to is that liar at the bar who's already cheated on his wife, and I'm going to sit down next to him and say, what do you think? Because he's going to tell me just what I want to hear. And so as a Bible college student, you need to learn how to hear the truth, even if it offends you. You need to learn how to receive it, even if it bothers you. Even if the delivery method is a white boy from the cornfields of Indiana whose face turns red when he preaches, but he likes to preach a lot. It would be better to listen to that person than to fall off into the ditch because when the blind lead the blind, that's where they both go. So what is God telling us to do? He's telling us to do it his way. I'm not calling SUM captivity, though I didn't think that through enough before I started this message, and I think it's a bit funny. But I do think that we need to see this. God said, I've led you there for a purpose, and their leading was into a Babylonian captivity. Ours is being led into a Bible college. And sometimes we may not like it, but we're supposed to prosper here because as it goes for Babylon is as it was going to go for Jerusalem. And as it goes for SUM and you getting along is as it's going to go in your life. And what you're going to be tempted to do is like, excuse me, these Israelites are tempted to do is listen to people lie to you. But you stay on that path of truth. Can I get an amen? amen. Somebody say that was just the introduction. I got the message for you right here. I just wanted you to hear that. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. They're prophesying. Everybody say prophesying. They are prophesying. Now, this is what the Lord says. After the 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. Somebody say, God has a plan for me. 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You see, there was a set time for them to be in that captivity. And you, my friend, have a set time to be in SUM. And that time is what? Now until when? Well, until Jesus comes back or you do what? You graduate. Amen? That's okay. That's, we're just keeping it real. We're here to help you graduate. We're here so that the plan will be fulfilled. So that you can do this the right way. Have right relationships. A lot of what you're going to discover here is that it's all based upon who you know. First of all, knowing Jesus. Knowing the heart of the school. Knowing the heart of Nancy and I, the cohort advisors here. Knowing the heart of the church you're serving in. Knowing the heart of the professors. Knowing your fellow students, the relationships you make. It's all going to be about who you know. And then it's going to be about how you grow. Who you know and how you grow. Who you know and how you grow. And when you get that right, you'll be able to show that God has been moving in your life. What God wanted to do in these Israelites during these 70 years was them to know him, grow in their knowledge of him, and show the world that there are unique people. After their 70 years of captivity, they never did idolatrous things again. This was their spiritual time out that taught them that lesson. There are going to be lessons you learn that you'll never do again after Bible college. The last time I did naughty things with myself, and I'll say that because I'm in the presence of young ladies, was in the time of Bible college. The last time that I contemplated quitting what God had told me to do and really just like said I quit and walked out was Bible college. The last time that I really felt like I was tempted to, to become bitter and all of those in Bible college. You can deal with some of these issues right now once and for all. You can let the Lord use you right now for his kingdom for years down the road, decades down the road, if you'll let him change who you are right now by how you know him and how you grow up to be like him. Because he wants to show you off to the world. He wants to make you his trophy of grace. That's why I'm here. Right? You're no dummy. You're not following a charlatan, are you? You're not listening to somebody that's came to lie to you, to deceive you. What good do you see in me? What good do you see in the ministry, in my family? That's all God. That's because 20-some years ago, there was a foundation laid. And I've been building on that. Now, of course, I've made mistakes, but... There was a lot of those things that would have kept me from ever moving forward. I never would have been a good husband unless I was single first in Bible college, learning to make friends with the opposite sex. I never would have been a great pastor unless I, had, I learned not to quit when people left. I, I learned how to work and stay late, come early. And I don't know what your lessons are going to be, but there's going to be a period of time like how they were there for 70 years to learn and grow in these lessons. And that's what God has for you because of this. Look at verse 11. He says, for I know. He says, I know the plans I have for you. So often I look around at our cohort and our church and I go, God, I mean, 
what do we do with all of these pastors? What do we do with all of these leaders? I know we want to plant churches, uh, you know, 500 around the world, 50 in Chicago. Oh, Lord, but I don't know how. I don't know when. But the Lord tells me, he says, I know how. I know when. And I know you may look at your calling right now and feel the same way and go, Lord, I don't know how. I don't know how I, as a mother, changed the world for you. Lord, I don't know when I'm going to be in charge of a ministry. I don't know when or how you're going to transform my life to be that example, to co-labor with you. But can you look back at Jesus and go, Jesus, I trust you know. You know when. You know how. He knows, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows why you were late this morning, young man. And he knows how to help you not be late. He knows the things that will set us all up for failure. Things that we think may be good, but they're not God. And he knows how to get us around those things. Those traps of the enemy. And then he says, then you will call on me. Come and pray to me, and I will listen. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Why is it today it seems like Pastor Joe has an open heaven with the Lord? Like when we set out to do things, I can stand in front and say, thus says the Lord, and most of the time it works out, right? Only every now and then does a building not come through for us or something not go right. And that shows that I'm still learning to hear from God. But why is that such a pattern here? Pastor Joe says we're going to do this. And God said he would do it with this movement or whatever we do in these books and discipleship and this leader and this. And God moves in those people's lives and God moves on the church. Why is that happening? Because I'm trusting the one who knows. I'm trusting the one who knows the plans he has for me. See, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Lean not on your own understanding. When will we get into our most trouble? When we do it our own way. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on, on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths what? He'll make them what? Straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. God knows, so I have to lean in on his plans. That's why when we're praying here in this church, things are happening, and that will happen for you too. You'll pray and answers will come when you seek him with all your heart, when you truly love him, when you truly know how to discern what he's saying. And so today I want you guys to really think about this. Do you trust the one who has the plan for you? Are you willing to start this journey and finish it with the same passion you have today? The same way that many of you put on Facebook, I'm ready, I'm ready, I can't wait, let's go girl. Man, that encourages me because I'm seeing people trust in the Lord. If you do that, God will answer you. If you seek him, you will find him. You knock, the door will be open. You ask, you'll get an answer. Amen? Let's give it up for Jesus today. Let's leave our live audience, Joe B., let's shut it down and upload those things. These messages will be on our podcast through our sermon player as well as live.
Let's just pray for a few moments. Father, we thank you today that it's your way and not our way. Lord, we can find so many people to lie to us. We can even lie to ourselves. But Lord, we want to hear your truth, for your truth will set us free. Bible college is not captivity, but it is a place where you've brought us. And we can learn from the lesson of Jeremiah that even if you do bring us into captivity, we can follow your word, pray for peace and prosperity, and you will bless us. And so, Lord, I pray that each one of us here will lean into your plans. Lean in, on to, lean in to what you're asking us to do. Not trust in ourselves, but trust in you. And that, Lord, you'll help us to discern if people are lying to us and that we won't listen.